As you enter the deep, dark cave at the end of your long, perilous journey, your fight to get to this point, you hear the voice you've grown to fear. It is I, Scrimlaw, the battle wizard. Roll for initiative. Fuck, I got a one. I rolled a 69. And Scrimlaw rolled 420. Dang it! You have stepped into my lair of filth. You have come to my junk house. It's a psychobilly freakout! Yeah, just like Caleb. Caleb. <laughs> Caleb, that was good. Thank Caleb, you. Look at me in the eyes when I tell you this. That was good. Thank Caleb, you. Caleb, look it. Look like turn look around. Look away eyes. from me. Look oh. away from us. Look away from us. Keep going. Okay, that's good. Right there. Right there. Caleb, that was good. You can okay. turn back. Yeah, you can come back. You can come back. That was good. Give, I was trying to give you a little sexy over the shoulder. Yeah, look. that was that was cute. That was, a, that was well. Cool. I'm fully torqued, so that's good. That's good. <laughs> Welcome everybody. What's up? Mm-hmm. What's happening? Hi. Um, Hi, I'm Junk, and this is Cordell House. Hi, my name is Caleb, and I'm the art, also the artist formerly known as Scrimlore, the Battle Wizard. I'm not gonna say my name this time. <gasps> a I'm also here. Who a mystery. Hmm. Caleb, who who do we host this show with? I I think we host this show with the only person that it made sense to host this show with. Our Lord and Savior Jesus. Jesus Christ. Christ. Jesus Christ, please. <laughs> mm, mm. No. We may we, well, I'm we, Sammy, we, fuck you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the, so, I thought we were gonna have a fun mystery episode. No, That'll be next episode. And we, yeah, uh, the, okay. and when, when one of us gets of us murdered on air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> next episode, I'll have Olivia record for me, and then that will be the mystery. Oh, I'm Ooh. glad we know that ahead of the time. That's how mystery. Well, yeah, go. yeah. I mean, it's just like at the end of the mystery movie, they say the clues are all before you. Like I'm giving you all the clues. Mm. All of the all of the clues. I think we should try an auditory escape room. <laughs> there, there is a podcast that is called Escape Room, the podcast that. Oh man, that is a actually very fun auditory escape room. So I've never had an original idea. Yeah, you have. Name five. Just kidding. We're moving on. <laughs> name 20 right now. Oh, yeah. Name all of them. Mo- yeah, if we're moving on. Moon can night. I can I tell you guys about something that popped up on my Twitter feed this morning? That I sure. just... There is a new movie coming out called Strays. Have either of you guys heard of or seen anything about this movie? I'm Googling it no, right now. Yes, I'm doing the same thing. Strays? Okay. Strays. Like, like, like strays. Oh, like a stray I have dog. I've seen about this. Yes. It, it has a an ab- absolutely uh-huh. stacked cast, first of all, with Will Ferrell, Isla Fisher, Jamie Foxx, Will Forte, Randall Park. Like, man, yeah. Really stacked cast. The premise of this movie is like if Homeward Bound were evil. Because it's about a dog that gets abandoned, but he thinks his owner just accidentally left him behind. And the other dogs in the movie are like, no, he he meant to. Like, this is intentional. He does not love you. Like... This owner does not love you. And then in that moment where the dog realizes they're telling the truth, he says, I'm going to find that man and bite his dick off. And the whole (laughs) point of the movie is like homeward bound, but revenge. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I I just I'm very excited. Uh, The 
uh, I just want to just say to movie studios right now, we can write movies for you because that is the kind of movie that I think the three of us would write so well. <laughs> just like, just I've, so good yeah. at I have thought for years that I have a very nice acumen for like dumb ideas. And I think I think I should be paid millions of dollars for dumb ideas. I agree yeah. with this. Like, how hard is that? How hard? Give me millions of dollars. I'll give you dumb movie ideas. I, like, it's right there. Also, the tagline for Strays is "Go fetch yourself." Uh, and oh, I, that's, that's good. so good. That is that, that is, is good. Incredible. Just, I want them to do if if we're doing R-rated remakes of like old movies. Was Homeward Bound nineties? Uh, Homeward Bound was like late eighties, early nineties, I yeah. believe. It was kind of the end of Michael J. Fox in live action yeah. movies, and yeah. more of his switch to voice. So, I think they should remake Dunstan Checks In, but R rated. If I'm remembering correctly, D- Dunstan Checks In is a movie about a monkey trying in a to hotel. Ch- um, I thought you were about to say Among Us. Yeah. 1996, Dunstan checks in, 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, this kid's in a hotel, this evil dude brought, brought a like chimp in, the chimp gets out, makes friends with the little kid while the evil dude's trying to get him, and the kid's trying to help Dunstan like, stay hidden. Oh, I think I also forgot to mention, I'm pretty sure Dunstan was trained by the evil man to steal jewelry from rich people. So here is my pitch. Also, real quick, Homeward Bound was 93. Okay. 93, okay. I wasn't far off with late yeah. 80s, early 90s, yeah. Uh, here's my pitch for Dunstan Checks in Rated R. It's not about Dunstan checking in. It's a movie that follows the staff of the hotel seeing all of this unfold before their eyes. So you just have like, as soon as it walks in, you have, um, I'm going to come, I'm going to think of an actor that would be perfect also, for this. Robert Alexander was one of the people in this movie. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the bad guy. Jason Alexander. Jason. So, so sorry. I'm stupid. Yeah. Jason no, Alexander. Faye Dunaway. Oh my god. Paul Rubens. Paul I mean that's Rubens. a get. That's a get in the 90s. Oh yeah. That's a fucking get there. Imagine Michael Che. I feel like is the perfect thing for this where he looks as this monkey walks into a hotel and he is the manager of the hotel. Like he's like the big guy that we keep following through the whole movie. And he just looks in and it just See, you see him lock eyes with the monkey, and he just says, Dunstan's not going to be checking in. And then it, boom, cuts to the title card. And Dunstan checks in. And Dunstan checks in. Checks I in think, again. Yeah. I think there's, there's like, two routes here. Uh-huh. Because it's either, like, oh, man, this is, this is horrible. Like, I... We're, it's a workplace comedy where now we have a chimp we have to deal with. Or, it's a horror movie. Dunstan checks in, no one checks out. This ape goes on a killing spree in a very lavish hotel. And like we, but we yeah. have to really accentuate early on in the movie the class differentials in order to make it more appealing. Like, like all of the workers are treated poorly and like have all these strict rules. No one tips them. Their, their wages are garbage. Then this monkey shows up, and it's like basically Robin Hood stuff. And hear, hear me out. Hear me out. The big twist. Mm-hmm. The, the, the people working in the hotel start killing rich people, too, because the monkey's already on a rampage. They can make it look like the monkey's doing it. Ooh. And we can get Andy Circus to play the to monkey. To be Dunstan. Yeah, because yeah. that's perfect. That's that. I think that's oh a perfect God. idea. I think if we if there was a horror movie, I think the way to go would be like Cabin in the Woods style, like true horror meets also very good comedy, you know? Oh, yeah. Very yeah. I mean, it, the, the premise is inherently silly, which I assume is what that new Megan movie did. You know, the one with the like, I'm an AI robot for your best friend, and then I kill people, like whatever. 
Mm-hmm. But like the movies from the trailers at least seemed to know it was a silly thing. Like it seemed to intentionally yeah. be playing with how silly the premise is. And we do that same thing. Yeah. From, from what I've seen in reviews of the movie, if you go in expecting like a horrible horror, you're not going to like Megan. But if you go in expecting a comedy horror, you're going to yeah. like it. So, well, yeah, like horror used to know how to have a lot of fun with itself, like the Leprechaun movies. Yeah. Yes. Like, like horror used to be, or gremlins, or like, like even garbage ones like critters. Like it, back in the 80s and 90s, people used to just have a good time with their scary things. And now we try to take it too seriously. We need, we need more abjectly silly, scary movies. I, I concur. I agree. A, a Krampus. More Krampuses. Yes. More Krampuses. I like, think we would all be very good at writing horror comedy together. I yeah. think we'd actually be good at writing. Like it's yeah. it's like a haha we blah, but like I legitimately think we do a good job. Yeah. At least be like middle of the middle of the stack compared to a lot of writing teams. I mean, I still want us to write that mockumentary about the the monsters getting big on TikTok. Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah, like <laughs> the hype house but for monsters. The hype house but they're monsters and it's like Basically, what we what we do in the shadows, but it's like Bigfoot trying to get famous on TikTok, and and all all of his videos end up getting corrupted, so his image is very like fuzzed out. Yeah, exactly. No, it's like this isn't real. Like Bigfoot isn't real. It's like I'm literally showing you, but it's just a fuzzy picture of himself. I, I think there's like a Bigfoot this. premise somewhere out there where like. Bigfoot walks straight up into like a news station and speaks eloquent English and is like, hey, hi, I'm real. I'm here to talk about it. And everyone thinks it's a guy in a suit. Yeah. I feel like there was a bit not not the same or even like, but I feel like that would I feel like that's a Harry and the Hendersons bit. I don't remember exactly. No, I don't think I I. It's like one of those things where I remember something, but I can't quite place where it was, but it makes sense for it to be Harry and the Hendersons, you know? Yeah, what a... what a uh, 90s were a fever dream. The 90s were a fever dream, but... I was only conscious for two years of it. Still, Harry and the Hendersons was an 87 film, actually. Ooh. Oh. Still, fever dream. Yeah, can absolutely. I, can I be sad about a movie? Yeah. yeah. You can always be sad. I saw the trailer for The Flash. Yeah. And uh, fuck Ezra Miller. I was about yeah. to say, are we just kind of, did Hollywood just kind of forget that we don't like Ezra Miller? Well, I don't think Hollywood forgot. I think it was kind of like, we already paid millions and millions of dollars to make this movie and it has to come out anyway. Yeah. <sighs> I'm just big sad now because I mean, it looks really, it looks fun. Yeah. And Kara, I'm, I love me some mm-hmm. Supergirl. She's probably one of my favorite DC characters and just it's oops. Ezra it ruined is, everything. It's also a bummer because, like, it's gonna succeed. Yeah. Like, at least by DC superhero movie standards, it'll succeed. Because, like, people just like superhero stuff. Like, m- the average, like, Joe Schmo walking into a movie theater to see a superhero movie probably isn't going to be super aware of even like the comics or even just like what the actors or producers are doing. The average person's yeah. just like, Oh, fast guy, superhero. I'll watch that. Yeah. You know? So like, I'm probably it's going gonna to do well. Watch it, but not support it. If you catch my drift. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just wait till it comes to HBO. Cause like every yeah. DC things on HBO now. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. what I was thinking. I'm just going to wait till it hits HBO. Cause like, it's just, I'll probably mm-hmm. watch it because I think, from what I tell, they're trying to do Flashpoint. Yeah. I think they're doing Flashpoint. And, they're and for sure I, doing Flashpoint. They're one hundred percent doing Flashpoint. One and, million. <laughs> you know what? I guarantee I, it. As much as I am not a DC 
fan overall. Flashpoint is incredible. It's really cool. And the way they're doing it is also slightly different. Yeah, like, it's always now different. there's two two flashes instead of it just being like Barry is there. And and instead of doing Tom Thomas Wayne, it's still Bruce Wayne, but it's Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah. So that's they brought gonna, Michael yeah. Keaton back. Yeah, and I like Michael Keaton. I think I think it's fascinating that they decided to go the parent trap route. Of just having two Ezra Millers. Yeah. This movie was like right before. I feel like it's because they wrote this movie when Ezra Miller was like at his peak of everyone liked him. Yeah. I think it is there. And so. Oh, yeah, it is. Sorry. I'm so sorry about that. Sorry. But like right when everyone really liked them and they were just like, we're going to double down on this. We're going to really give Ezra Miller as much screen time yeah. as we can. And then as soon as everything happened with them, yeah, yeah, as soon as everything happened with them, they were like, oh, shit. Fuck. Yeah. Which, that's... What have we done? I really was a big Ezra Miller fan, too, before all of it. Yeah. Is the big Same. bummer for me. Is like, Ezra Miller is a very good actor. I think more and more the DC stuff for them was just like show no emotion. It's like, okay, great. But I enjoyed me some Ezra Miller and it's a bummer that they went and made it nigh impossible to continue doing so. Yeah. Yeah. Which gets us into that whole timeless art versus artist debate. But again, if they're alive and making money off of it, it's hard to say that you're not supporting them by paying money for the thing they made. Yeah, that's the thing I've kind of come to with art versus artist is it's kind of I've gotten to the point where it's like H.P. Lovecraft was a racist. All of his work is public domain and that money does not go to it like his foundation yeah. or anything supporting him so i might buy a lovecraft book occasionally yeah. uh i'm not gonna even think about purchasing hogwarts legacy because that money directly benefits jk rowling yeah and i i to a degree am a believer in like listen Art and artists can be separated. However, artists' themes and beliefs and ideals come into their art, too. So, like, it's not even about, like, well, I like this and it's not bad. It's like, well, I mean, if you, like, critically examine this thing you're enjoying, you start to see the threads of the issues with the artists themselves. Well, one of the things, yeah. there, there, and there are a few things specifically, and, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Hogwarts Legacy because I, out of curiosity the other night, googled stuff about it because i was like how bad did it get it is very bad in ways that if you are conscious of her beliefs you cannot ignore them like there is a trans character that is an npc but and it was voiced by a trans woman so that seems like a good thing they digitally altered her voice to make it lower to make her sound more like a man. Uh, so that's already one bad thing. Uh, the other thing is in a codex in the game, so like fully an optional thing that they wrote in and made sure was present. Goblins in the Harry Potter universe. The more evil and greedy they are, the bigger their noses get. Oh, come on. Well, not even this isn't a to be fair. This is a the goblins have always been a the goblins have always been a stereotype. Absolutely. Yeah, goblins like as a critter have always been. Yeah, like way before JK Rowling. But but it's the fact that she she made it specifically more. Yes. Yeah. She well. took so, goblins, so put them in banks where their and, only thing is money. Yeah, made and then eventually offensive. was like, oh yeah. And so to <laughs> me, so, their noses and grow. This entire game is you stopping a goblin uprising, basically. Yeah. <laughs> getting yeah. Their the rights. whole game is yeah. <laughs> the whole game is like goblins are fighting for their rights, and you're like, no, you belong in the banks. Like that's all you Which do. Is, 
also funny given that a plot line in multiple of the books is Hermione trying to free the house elves and they go, no, we like being slaves. Yeah. Yeah. And so it yeah. basically Come just on, fuck J.K. Rowling. Like, it's just bad. It's just really bad. And if and right now there's a apparently there's a streamer who's popular on Twitch that like started streaming the game and got shit for it. And like, you know what? They fucking deserve it. Honestly, like they knew going in that this game was going to be controversial because everybody knew this game was going to be controversial. <sighs> yeah, it's it's a big thing. I don't think like somebody I saw a uh, TikTok about this and it was like the that the opinions on the Hogwarts legacy from every part of the political spectrum. Like he went through everything Mm -hmm. and the final one at the very end was like the far left. And it was the one that made the most sense to me. I guess I'm far left, whatever. But it was basically like playing a video. The only thing that makes it was longer than this, but it was like the only thing that makes you transphobic is being transphobic. It's not playing a video game. Mm -hmm. there's no ethical consumption under capitalism so it doesn't even matter if you buy this game but it it was all this type of stuff but basically still she's still a billionaire supporting her sucks yeah yeah i i I think there's there is definitely nuance to everything like i i get very frustrated with people having a black and white perspective on any given subject mm-hmm. because it is almost never black and white completely. So it's like no ethical consumption under capitalism. True. Some people take that to mean I do whatever I want anyway, because, Oh, it yeah. can't be ethical rather than like, let me try to find a way to do better and to be more ethical. Yeah. Even if there is no ethical consumption. But yeah, I think I'm glad that you brought up the point of like the, like, the only thing that makes you transphobic is being transphobic. Yeah. Like, there is... I, I don't like making moral judgments on people because we are all messed up in all of our own wild ways. But, like, my thought is less if you buy Hogwarts Legacy, you're a bad person, and more if you buy Hogwarts Legacy, I just want to make sure you're aware of what's going on with it yeah. and that you can have time to consider that. Because, like, We've all bought Harry Potter books. We've all bought Harry Potter movies. Like, most of us at some point have spent money furthering this franchise. Just stop and consider, like, okay, what is the impact here? I don't think you're yeah. a bad person for buying these movies or enjoying them. Like, it's, it is a complex gray area. Yeah. But yeah. make sure you've given it enough thought so that you know what's ac- what you're actually doing. Yeah. yeah. If and you feel guilty playing the game, that says something I, about yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I might play it at some point and not feel guilty and just be like, whatever the fuck, this is a fun game. Yeah. Because it mm-hmm. seems like a fun game, to be completely honest. Yeah. I I yeah. think right now where I stand on it is you're not a transphobe for buying the game or playing the game. I think and I agree with Cordell that, like, you need to know where this is going, though. Yeah. That, like, if you're just buying this and you don't know, you need, you, you need to know and you need to learn. I think... I, I'm kind of conflicted because I also, like... the I, I don't like how the phrase, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, has been kind of twisted into Mm -hmm. do what you want because the basis of that phrase is like if Cordell can only buy eggs because from a really corrupt company because that's what he can afford well there is no ethical consumption under capitalism but when it comes to things that are like optional such Mm -hmm. as like video games uh movies stuff that like you don't need this to survive then it becomes a little bit more gray And so, like, to me, uh, you know, just for an example, I don't know if this is true. Like, I I don't know. But, like, you know, like, my oldest sister 
loved the Harry Potter books growing up, devoted so much time to them. So went to every movie premiere as it premiered, went to all the book premieres once those became a thing. So mm. for her, I would not be angry with her for buying it because for her, it is the nostalgia that she might need because there is like, yeah, there, there is times where like you need just that little bit of serotonin and the thing that is slightly shitty is going to be the thing to give it to you. Yeah. Um, and so if that's the case, I, I don't blame you. I don't like it, but I'm not angry about it. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> and it's like every, everybody is a unique individual with their own thoughts and feelings. Like I know plenty of queer people who eat Chick-fil-A fairly regularly mm-hmm. and are like, yeah, I know, but this is what I enjoy. And like, mm-hmm. uh, like at least I'm aware of it, you know, like life is complex. And I think people like with the ethical consumption under capitalism thing, people take a statement of freedom and I think people in an unhealthier space allow that to mean I do whatever I want. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. it's like the healthier you are, the more you realize freedom is about the ability to make informed and intelligent decisions and not just the ability to do whatever I want whenever I want. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not really freedom. Like you're just not thinking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but listeners, if you want to listen to something about a school and magic that is not giving funding to a transphobe, boy, howdy, do we have a story for you? A story for you. A story. Oh, my gosh. Because this past Sunday, so two days ago as we're recording this, we we recorded the final episode of season two of Nat Wonderful. Oh, it feels good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It It was really good. It felt so fucking good. It felt so good. I loved that campaign so much. But it felt so good to finish it on such a strong note. It felt so good to finish. It felt so oh, good to finish. Busting makes me feel good. And we busted that guy's busting, busting, ass. Busting. Yeah, yeah, there is... Not, not to be a little bit spoilery, but like... Nat Wonderful has developed a, apparently a small tradition... Of having like genuinely tough campaign course and like having a hard time getting through everything, then just curb stomping the final boss. It, and it's <laughs> You've done always, it twice in a row now. And at this point, I don't care about spoiling Galactic Special because it's been out for yeah. a while. So I'll I'll talk about it. that boss was designed to be incredibly hard. Like just <laughs> and you guys just Pub stomped the fuck out of him. Well, monks are broken. Monks are broken, yeah. And and Sammy played yeah. an incredible monk. Yeah, and I'm pretty I'm sure I stole like the power source for the big bad fight. And then like that weakened it severely, but like it Yeah. Just yeah. so so good and gratifying. Like I know as the as the DM, it is like Man, I worked so hard. This was supposed to be difficult. But, like, as a player, just demolishing them feels so nice. So good. Yeah. In that moment where you guys, like, fully took the main boss I had spent so much time and just, like, tore open his ass cheeks and shoved your whole (laughs) fist up inside of him and made him talk like a Muppet. Like, yeah, I was both disappointed and yet also like so glad because i was like sitting there thinking like if i if it was like anywhere earlier in the campaign i think it would have been a total party kill because it was just like that's fair yeah 
like I did kind of have to put you guys through the ringer so your characters would get to the level, but who I think what's fun about role playing games is how often you accidentally learn things about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was because we were and you know what? Fine. Spoiler zone. I don't care if you've listened to the show. Great. If you haven't listened to it, then stop and come back to this after you've listened to the finale. Or if you don't care, keep listening. I don't care. When we got to the very end and Miranda was like, okay, what, what's next for your characters? And like all three of you had pretty like nice, like, little bows on there and I was like interesting and then I realized mine was just like I don't know his job never feels like he's done and he's just kind of aimlessly searching for the next thing and that was the same ending I gave my character in Galactic Special yeah so what I'm, am I saying to myself here well I think like because I had that same thought when you said like yeah my character just kind of like wanders around like trying to find the next thing I was like that's the same ending Jin had. Yeah. And I mean, it worked for the character. Like, I genuinely yeah. think that's what Reggie's story would be. Like, he's yeah. he spent his whole life searching. I don't think you can just stop searching. Well, I think it's because you write your characters with an unachievable goal. Yeah. And that's so... Interesting. And, yeah. And so the fact that it is unachievable but it is still a goal means your characters are still going to be searching for that. And it's not that it's like impossible to write a way to get the goal within the campaign. I think it's just as, as as a person that has now written a campaign for recording, you want to try to give everybody satisfying endings. And sometimes in doing that, someone has to have one that is a little bit unsatisfying. And I think Which, I think in Galactic Special we had more than one that was a little bit unsatisfying because like yet again spoiler like, Sammy's character wind I made that ending semi satisfying but it was a satisfying ending that was a setup for a future campaign yeah versus yeah, yeah. and I think volume of players affects it too going from six <laughs> to four. Like, as much as I miss playing with them, it makes it a lot easier to manage stories and action and just everything. Like, yeah, time to play. Like, it is four is a really good group size. Um, but no, I don't even think like Jin or Reggie's ends were unsatisfying. I think I'm a little bit too strongly of a believer that like the story keeps going on to want to leave them with like, and now they're good. <laughs> Plus, yeah, I do yeah. give them. A little bit esoteric, impossible goals. Yeah. Well, if you remember mine for Normans, it was yeah. still very open. It was that's true. Norman, don't go back to class because magic real. So learn magic, and where yeah. is the, where yeah. is that gonna take him? Yeah, that's fair. I think I think the difference that I felt at least, and obviously you know, like oh, like I'm the special duckling, but <laughs> like. For Normans, it was like, I have my path, and it is learning more about this. For yeah. Reggie, it felt like, my path is gone. But I, like, I guess Reggie was like, the, kind of a monster hunter's life is never done. Like, you never retire from hunting evil if that's all you do. Yeah. And I guess that's what it was. Because, like, yeah, he's, he's the werewolf, so he's hunting his own evil. Like, he is trying to destroy the evil so within himself. He learns to like master that and become one with it and like reach that internal peace. Yeah. But now he knows that there are far greater evils and he doesn't know how many there are. Like for, I feel like for Norman, it was like magic's real. I'm going to keep studying this. This is cool. I think for Reggie, it was like, I've learned that magic is even more real than I thought. Mm -hmm. And people are doing very bad things with it. Yeah. So he, I think like it, for me, it was like Norman's like going the scholarly route. Reggie's going the like conspiracy vigilante. route, you know, like vigilante conspiracy theorists. Like he's going to find them and try to stop them. Well, I think that was like, I think what's also interesting is that like our, our three characters specifically, it was like 
to going against, like finding ways to go against a system versus I think William, my character, Mm -hmm. like his ending was just like give in to the system. Yeah. But fix the system by giving into it. Which I thought was like super appropriate. You know, I never thought, I never at any point in the story did I think he'd actually go into politics. Yeah. And then whenever he does, I was like, that's actually beautiful. Caleb's cool. I well, I think that I didn't know what the ending was going to be until there was a moment in the final episode where William has to confront his father again. And in that moment, I was like, I actually think it would be better if in this confrontation, William was not completely lying to his dad and there was a kernel of truth to it. Mm. Um, That was the inspiration for that was just. Yeah. I also wonder if part of it is that, like, my play style is that I don't plan ahead, like, ever. And I I don't like to establish much backstory, and I don't like to plan ahead very much. So, like, for for Reggie, for example, I was like, werewolf, don't know much about him. I like to discover my characters as I play. But then that means that I get to the end, and it's like, my general arc was that he wanted to end his werewolf stuff. And yeah, then yeah. get to the end and he's reached peace. And now I'm like, I'm as lost as he is. Miranda's like, what comes next? And I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Let that was. Yeah. William's whole arc from the get go was to. Be better than his father or die trying. Mm. Um, and so, and oh, fuck, my dad doesn't listen to this podcast, but oh, god, that feels too real. Um, <laughs> and learn so, a lot about ourselves, yeah, we do. Well, and it's funny, you said that. I so weird, kind of brief aside about the like we learn about ourselves. I so a long time ago, I used to work in a youth ministry, which is absolutely wild for most people that only know me at this point in my life. But yeah, I used to work in the youth ministry and I actually delivered like a whole talk to a lot of people within that youth ministry about D&D as a ministry tool. And like part of the reason was that like there are kids that I worked with that did not want to open up, that did Mm -hmm. not want to talk about anything. So when I gave them, when they wanted to join the campaign, I would say, cool, come back next week, write a three-page backstory. That is all you have to do, and then I'll help you build your character, and you're good. And without fail, every one of them made their backstory reflect their real life. Yep. So I instantly was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll make up, like, but like, Okay, he has issues with his brother at home and wishes that he was separated from his family. Okay, so this is what we're going on. And every t- it worked without fail every time. But it also made me realize how much of ministry is just manipulation. So that's a, that's a whole other can of worms. Well, my favorite can of worms regarding the subject of manipulation is that literally all interaction is manipulation. Yes, and inescapable absolutely. and unavoidable. And assuming manipulation is bad is a non-productive way to proceed. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah. Not worth, I don't want to dive into that right now, but that is, that is a subject I genuinely care about is like, people are like, that sounds manipulative. I'm like, well, everything everything's is. manipulative. Yeah. Like, a, yeah, let's, a, let's talk nuance, pal. <laughs> yeah, to a degree, everything is manipulative. Yeah. Um, but. Like, I think it's partially because, you know, you write what you know. Yeah. Yeah. And especially for role playing for like an inexperienced role player, and even clearly for experienced role players, like Mm -hmm. the things you design will always reflect a little bit of what you think or feel and a little bit of yourself. And those those early characters tend to be a fair bit of yourself, too. So, like, that's why so many people use like role playing therapy as like. Well, let's play a campaign and use that as a way to work through our problems. Yeah. So I was looking because I, I have a book somewhere. I have a book of like books about writing, which is just a full shelf of stuff. But there was a quote from one of those books that I really liked, which is fiction is inherently a lie. We cannot avoid that. But 
every lie has to have a kernel of truth for it to be believable and have an ability to connect to. Mm. So when you are writing fiction, yes, you write what you know. But if you want a character to stand out and be the actual character that people relate to, you will inevitably put a little bit of yourself into that character. Yeah. And so I think that, that like, you're exactly right. That, like, we are all experienced role players at this point. We will always put a little bit of ourselves into the character. It's unavoidable. You cannot create a thing without bringing your experiences and life and beliefs into creation. Like, that is where we get our inspiration and knowledge in the first place. Yeah. True. So it's like, I think what's neat is like, because like you said, the most honest characters are the ones that are like, well, the ones that have genuine truth in their core. Yeah. And I think it's so neat to see how different writers and different players like twist truth because like you have like an honest belief or an honest thought, but then you twist it for like the life that character or person has lived. Yeah. And I think that's super neat. Yeah. 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 It, I do I do have a question that I don't know if I've ever asked Sammy before, but it is something that I've now thinking about. When you wrote Wind slash Kestro. As trans. As trans. Because that was in the backstory from so- the get-go. It, well, here's the true story behind why Kestro is trans. I wanted to play a female. Everybody else was playing women. And I was like, I'll be different. And then oh. I re- we wrote oh. it into the backstory because of that. They're like, oh, no, they're trans. But that also, I think, it wasn't because I was dealing with it at the time i guess or like Uh i had inklings but i think it was more kestro normalized the idea more Mm. and kind of helped me come to more terms with being trans that is just fascinating to me because like yeah Uh, yeah yeah because i don't think i came out as trans until like maybe mid season of we were deep in there we, we were, were yeah we were pretty deep because i remember we also had the conversation of like how do we how do you want to do this when it comes to recording and like we just started cool. yeah we literally like you literally would just like just start saying sammy and like, don't don't address it okay yeah yeah and we were just like okay cool yeah yeah that that yeah. is a, yeah yeah i think I think that, like, one of the things that I realized that we're extremely lucky to have is is the group we're playing with. Like, from the yeah. start to now, like, from the start to now, we have always had just, like, such a solid group of people that were just, like, actual friends first was kind of the main thing. Um, yeah. And like the f- the four of you were in my wedding. Like I don't think I can s- like speak higher than just like yeah, my like the group that I record and release a podcast with and view all of them as creative partners were also all in my wedding. Yeah, no matter how many times yeah. you tried to kick me out. Yeah, we, yeah. we all snuck in. The Wasn't only leaving. the only wedding of the net wonderful group that I had that I wasn't a part of or ha- didn't go to was uh Drew's because that was before yes. we even existed. Yeah, that yeah. was. But I've been to all everybody else's, which is really cool to say. Yeah, because we Drew's wedding was like in the middle of the campaign before the podcast. The yeah. drive to Drew's wedding was when Caleb and I reconnected as friends. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. like the first time we talked, like just had legit conversation in a long, long time. Like three talked years. Almo- yeah, three years. Talked almost the whole way there, almost the whole way back. 
Like, it just reignited it, and it was on those drives that Caleb was telling me about D&D, and I completely misunderstood it a great deal, and then figured out what it was, and yeah. joined. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, because you were, you were saying, I remember at one point, you, we were talking about spellcasters, like, yeah, most spellcasters have cantrips, and that's going to be the majority of spells they cast, and you were like, oh, they're cantrip, they're cantrips and Magic the Gathering, you know? It's just... You play a card, you draw a card, like as part of the resolution. Yeah. And I was like, that kind of makes it like, you know, you're not wasting resources yeah. is the thing. But that, I yeah. Mean, yeah. And that was and that was before Caleb was really into Magic the Gathering. So like we both changed each other irrevocably on that drive. Yeah. Yeah. And we scared each other so bad. Oh, my God, we did. Sam, have we ever told you about this? Probably, I feel like you have, but my brain is not connecting. So we, uh, <laughs> I listen to the show called Spooked. Um, I think it's it's a podcast. It's delightful. It comes out like every October. Can't remember who produces it, but it's really good. Um, mm. it might be Parcast, but I don't think it's Parcast. I'm looking but, great now. Yeah. Luminary is Luminary, the yeah. Producer. So Luminary produces Spooked. It is a show where it's hosted by this guy, but like it takes the actual audio of real people going through their real supernatural paranormal experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's just them telling the stories they've lived in their own way with some like audio design here and there, making it like spookier. Of course. Of and it's course. just sometimes it is just bone chilling the things that these people talk about and have experienced. And I love, I listen to it every year when it comes out. I love the show. We're on the drive and it was right after I discovered it. So I was like, Caleb, let's listen to this. Whenever the conversation dies down, it's middle of the night. It's completely dark out. We're on an isolated stretch of road. We're listening to this and we listen to a very scary one. Like yeah. a really, really unnerving one. Because we were driving and, from Memphis to Detroit, which yeah. is oh a 13-hour yeah. drive after the Holy time change. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's very dark. We're alone on this stretch of road. There's not a lot of light. And we are both suddenly absolutely convinced we are not alone in the car. <laughs> and so we, like, every few minutes would just turn on all the lights. Caleb would look around, be like, we're clear, and I'd turn them off again. And that was how we proceeded for a good hour oh, of just, like, so scared. <laughs> and, yeah, it was wild. It was and bad. to this day, because, like, I, at work, there's, like, a main parking lot that's a little bit further from where I clock in. And then there's a dark, dingy parking lot that's right next to where I clock in. So I go to that one. But I leave it, like, 10 o'clock at night a lot of times so i walk out to my car alone and i'm just like pretending to not be scared and it's like super dark and i'm pretending i'm okay and i get in the car lock the doors turn on all the lights look around breathe turn them off and then get going (laughs) i understand that feel though i i've done that too many times of just like being in my garage and then being like yeah okay okay we're good yeah it's like for a guy that loves getting scared so much i I don't love being scared so much. Yeah. yeah. I I am a guy that actively avoids being scared the majority of the time. This so that was, a, yeah, that was especially bad when he was like, listen, listen to this horror podcast. And that was at a time where I was like kind of into horror and I yeah. was like, you know, watching a lot more. And I was like, yeah, I can handle it. Yeah, that would be totally fine. And then it was just like, there was like one, it was like this Hispanic woman talking about like a ghost that has followed her since her childhood. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, fuck this. Fuck, I'm out. I'm out. Bye. Fuck yeah. this. Like, <laughs> this ain't happening. Because that was, that was when Caleb was still flirting with the idea of maybe liking horror, which is why later on when I was like, Caleb, let's watch scary things. And Caleb was like, no. I was like, what? But... But, but the, scary. But the podcast. But like scary things. And Caleb's like, no, I don't like horror. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you used to. You've changed. Yeah. <laughs> and changed. it's it's less that the, 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 the sentence is not, I don't like horror. I always say I'm very particular about horror. Because yeah, yeah. like body horror does not bother me. I'll read Junji Ito does not phase me. 
it's like specifically ghost shit that I just oh interesting. Ghost curses demons. That is what fascinates me about horror people, because I have this conversation a lot with a lot of different people who don't like horror or don't like specific horror. And their reasoning is always so funny because sometimes they're like, oh, I can do I can do like serial killers and whatnot. Slashers doesn't bother me. Ghost demons. Nah, that's too real. Too scary. And then some people go, oh, I can do ghost demons. That's not real. But slashers, serial killers, that's too scary. Can't do it. That's real. And it is so funny to hear like because the reasoning is always the same of that's too real. Yeah, but it's always for a different thing they can't handle, and I love it. Uh, like, I wonder what the Venn diagram of Christians, people that are don't like ghosts and demons in horror movies. Like, I wonder how close that is. People it's that were probably not exactly a circle. But yeah, pretty close. But just like when you're raised to believe that demons exist and that spirits exist, yeah. it feels way more real. I would believe. I think it's like a three-circle Venn diagram of Christians, just kind of non-Christian but occult people who believe in all of it but don't believe in Christianity, and which is funny because like I don't believe in Christianity, but I like the demons and spirits and a lot of those names and ideas are straight out of it. It's fascinating yeah. to me how culture and like names and things work, but like those two circles and then people who are scared of demons and spirits in movies yes yeah but yes i i, yeah. I want to see i want to see that on r slash data is beautiful yeah yeah which it's funny to me because like as as a like practicing christian it doesn't scare me at all because like one of the core tenets of it is that like God's God's gonna protect you and not gonna let like demons get at you. So like, you know why, the classic why, saying. Yeah, that's what God they say. Is bigger than the, the boogeyman. He's, He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Oh God is God is bigger than the boogeyman, and he's watching out for you and me. I forgot the last bit, but yeah. So it's like, that's what's kind of funny to me about it is like your whole belief is that God is bigger and badder than all the big bad things out there. So like, why are you scared? <laughs> that's my thought process. It's like, no, it doesn't bother me. Cause like, if it's there, I've got God and anime on my side. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm. So I, I don't get bothered by much of it anyway. I just like feeling spooked in general. Yeah. And I'm a skeptic too, I'd suppose. Like went went and stayed at the Crescent Hotel with Emily last week. It was delightful. We went yeah. on a haunted tour, got massages. It was great. Never you saw didn't a ghost. Come and see me. What? I live like super close to No way. Yeah. What? The one up in Northwest Arkansas? Yeah, in yeah. in uh in your that's like forty five minutes, thirty minutes from me. So this is this is a failure of Cordell's understanding of geography. Okay, that's fine. and not a lack of thought. Yeah, I I did not know what it was <laughs> near it at all. <laughs> You're totally fine, but, but it, like, oh, but that we we should we say now just so we can put the goal that we want to record a podcast episode in that hotel. I just, uh. I just want to do some kind of live scary thing. I once got Caleb to agree to do a like live stream in the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum if we got enough like Ooh. subscribers or listens. Yeah, and I think like I think we should go big or go home because like Crescent Hotel has some spooks, has some ghosts, but none of them are like. There's one really mean evil dude, and that's about it. Yeah, I think we I should go to about- a place. I learned about this place in third grade because my yeah. teacher was obsessed with it. Yeah. I think we should go to a place that's full of really bad, angry, mean things. I'm down. And we should really antagonize them. Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck I you. might not want to antagonize them, but I would no, definitely do a I, podcast in an old place. Well, I would like, agree to doing it in the Crescent Hotel 
Boo. I would agree to doing it at Tala. Yeah. I would, I would even, there are some close to me that are supposedly like spooky haunted places that you can rent. There is a, there, okay, there's a, there's a lot of ghost stories in Tuscaloosa and it freaks me the fuck out. Boo, yeah. Um, I love it. But I would be fine with doing it, but I'm just going to let you guys know that here is how that recording would go. I'm okay, Kyle. Fuck, what was that? Fuck, fuck, fuck. I fucking hate both of you for making me do this. <laughs> fucking yeah. hate you guys. Yeah. But we would have to talk. It, the funny thing would we would talk about like Anything. Pokemon. We'd just be, yeah, <laughs> like, we'd yeah. just be having just a normal, normal episode <laughs> in a scary place. And we'd have to do a video one just for oh, the chance. For sure. For sure. So like I'm in a I, I live in a weird zone when it comes to the supernatural. Because it's always fascinated me so much, but I don't directly believe in most of it. Yeah, like, yeah. I am very, very skeptical. I'm the kind of guy, like, I believe there's too much, too many stories, too much evidence to say that nothing's out there. But yeah. until I see it directly, why would I believe that it's out there? So, like, I love ghost tours and, like, but on the same, like, other half of the coin is, like, I do believe in demons. I don't know how much I believe that they like interact with the world or how like literal I believe they are, you know, like, mm -hmm. however, I'm not about to pick up a Ouija board. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm not about like, like when I was, cause at the Crescent hotel there, there was a time when it was a cancer curable hospital with like air quotes. Mm -hmm. It was not, the guy was evil and just moneying. It was just all money. And so we were down in the place where his ghost supposedly spends a lot of time, which is weird because he also didn't die there. So I don't I think it'd be like an energy imprint or whatever. But yeah. like part of me wanted to flip off his picture because like, hey, you were an evil man. But I also didn't want to get like punched by a ghost. Here is, you fair. know, so like yeah. like no matter no matter how skeptical I am, I'm not about to like outright do something that could mess me up. Here's yeah. my pitch. I understand that, yeah. We make a video of the three of us going on a ghost tour. Okay. And just kind of see what happens. Because there are ghost tours. Like, name a city, there's a ghost tour there, for sure. Like, any, like, I know New Orleans very well because I've been there, like, dozens of times at this point. But I know those ghosts. And I know the ghost tour, so that one doesn't scare me, because I'm like, I know, I know that this. ghost. That was my best friend. Yeah, like I know that ghost. She's only famous because she was racist. Yeah, like that's a, yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, like that is the, the majority of New Orleans ghosts. It's like, did they do really bad stuff in their life? Yeah, most of it was racism. Yeah, uh, which is still horrible. But like, yeah, there's only like one or two ghosts in New Orleans that are, like, known for, like, truly horrific things. And even then, you cannot go into the areas where they did the stuff. Because mm. it is, like, known. Like, there's one lady, Delphine, I think was her name. Lorene? I don't know. Uh, Something no, like I've, that. Uh, I've, I've heard of her. So, like, she, she was, was, like... like the witch queen or whatever. She... Well, yeah, there is the Witch Queen. I'm thinking of somebody oh, else. The Witch one. Queen of New Orleans, there's even a speculation that she's still alive. Like, that is kind of the one. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's another one, and I'm spacing on her name, but I'm sure one of our listeners is going to think of it. Um, but she was known for, she had a lot of slaves, and she would torture them in the most grotesque and horrible ways you can think of. I, I know who you're Damn. talking about. And I dang it. The own the person who owns her house is Nicolas Cage. Um Oh owns her house. And like there are tours, but you cannot go in the house partially because it's a private residence, but also partially because they sealed the attic off. Because that's where she did all the stuff. And so apparently you have her ghost and the ghost of every single slave she ever tortured. Holy shit. The LaLaurie Mansion. LaLaurie, yes. 
Oh, that's La- what it La- is. La- 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 you got to remember, and I've said this, I've said this to several people. I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast. If you ever think, what would a Cajun pronounce this like? Pretend like it's the laziest way you can pronounce it, and you've got it. So Not you throw, because throw grammar out the window, say it easy. Yeah. Because and it's not that Cajun people are lazy, it's that we have too much other shit to do. You will get what we're saying eventually. I love And speak and speaking of things that we're all gonna get eventually, it's the album. Smoke them if you got them. If you don't which have has them already. Which if you don't have them already, and you know what? If it's a it's got a banger of a track on it that we get to use as our opening and closing theme song called Psycho Billy Freakout. Thank you to the Thank Reverend you. Horton Heat. Thank Reverend, you, Reverend. You have, Thank you, you have Reverend changed Horton my life, Heat. Reverend Horton Heat. Whenever we need an exorcism, we just need to call the Reverend Horton Heat. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have a Twitter. It's Junkies yeah. Pod. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, might at some point just start switching over and uh, promoting TikTok if we start making TikToks there because we should. Mm. That'll be fun. What if we did that? But um, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's really definitely haunted. Our email. <laughs> if you email us, email. you will get a ghost guaranteed. It might be a sneaky, subtle ghost, but it's there, I promise. For every email, you get a complimentary ghost that will haunt you for the rest of your life. This person definitely got a ghost. For real. Uh, 100%. All of them. I, this person has sent us so many emails, and we love them so much. It's the friend the, the friend of the show, the one, the only, Fielding Shipman. Fielding uh, Shipman. We're, the very the, haunted. The very haunted Fielding Shipman sent us this. Junk house. Did you know the world's longest fence stretches over 3,000 miles to keep dingoes out? Thank you for subscribing to Did You Know? No cancellations anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're stuck with with Did You Know? Which is probably the, the, it's the best of all fates, let's be honest. Which, Did You Know? Now you're stuck with ghosts. Yeah, Did You Know? now. Now you've got a ghost. That's that should be an episode as Fielding comes back on and the three Fielding of us voice ghosts. different ghosts. Yeah, yeah. The, the ghosts that haunt Fielding. We'll we'll um, just do a we'll do a Christmas episode, um, and it'll just be the Christmas. I love the this. Fielding Carol. I love I've, this already. I've told you all why I think the Muppets Christmas Carol is superior to any other version, right? Because More ghosts. More ghosts. It's got one extra it's Bob Marley one. ghost. <laughs> Marley and Marley. Yeah, it's just it is the best. I it is like, also just the best in principle. Muppets are good. Kane. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you, if you, our dear listeners, would like to get that complimentary ghost, there is a five percent chance you'll get some Ghostbusters under the pants action. If that's what you're into, email us at junkhousemailbox at gmail dot com. Is that what Fielding is going for? I think Fielding's trying for the end of the pants action from the ghost. Hmm. From the Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, you know. Ghostbusting makes me feel good. I, I still think I, it's wild that we have, as a culture, decided that is like a like fairly young child's movie. Like, yeah. Before, yeah. Like, like, starting around eight is when I think it's acceptable to watch Ghostbusters. But there is fully a, a, a blowjob ghost. Yeah, there's a blowjob ghost. Here's, here's my big thing about it. Is like, we have this weird idea culturally that old means okay. And that old means safe for children and appropriate. So like I, yeah. like my parents, or just older people in general, generations above us when we were growing up would be like, that rap music's bad. Or like, that's satanic, like with the Super Bowl, and it's always like, oh man, more satanic panic, yay. But then they'll jam out to Highway to Hell without a second thought. Yeah. Like, uh, and it's like, and then they'll let their kids listen to Highway to Hell, but then they'll be like, no, you can't listen to that rap. It's like, you, 
it's it's old. It's not like good. Like my mother. My mother. I love your mom, by the way. I love my mom so much. Putting that out there, she's wonderful, wonderful woman. Growing up, my mother would express her disapproval for so many things we enjoyed because of like inappropriate humor here and there. Like my brother and I watching Community. Mom walks in, hears one slightly off-color joke, goes, I don't like that show. I don't like that you guys watch that show. And would do it with like movies, anything. If she wasn't directly enjoying it and it was inappropriate, I don't like that show. And then my mother one day watches Zombieland and adores it. Same not a single with my complaint. Dad. Not a single complaint about the vulgarity or the content at all. Was so pumped, saw Zombieland 2 in theaters, maybe multiple times. Still, if she hears us watching community, I don't like that show. But the big kicker, my mom was like, you gotta watch Dirty Dancing. It's such a good movie. She's like, I love that movie. It's so nice. And I watch it. And most of it centers around a botched abortion and some really lascivious movement and gyration. And it's like, Mother? (laughs) Mother? You... You, you think this is such a good, wonderful, wholesome... What? And so it, it baffles me, the, the, like, the processes that people have of like, this is inappropriate, but all this stuff, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. No, I, I think it's I think the it's idea hilarious. that like, what, you, what, was, what your parents and grandparents saw as rebellion became, or, like, became the norm. Like yeah, Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Like Elvis went from like, you know, I recently watched the Elvis movie because and it was it was okay. It didn't need to be three hours. Um, but like, fair. It was literally sitting no there, and it was do. like it was like showing him getting arrested and showing him because he shook his hips too much and all this stuff. And now, Elvis is just a household name. So much so that like you cannot avoid listening to his music at some point in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, for real. And like the yeah. Beatles after him. <laughs> mhm. And that's just the cycle yeah. of life like basically once you hit about our age, you're kind of set in what you enjoy and what you think is the norm for life and everyone younger than you that lives a different way just clearly is out of touch and doesn't get it. That's why <laughs> Every every year you hear a new kids these days don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just because what is, I am now set in my norm, which means no one else gets it. I clearly have the best way of life. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, I am smarter and better. Yes, clearly. But uh, I guess as we say every week. Rebel. Rebel, rebel against the system. Against the Rage system. against rebel. the machine. Rage against every machine. Throw your computer out a window. Shit on a laptop and close it. Become but a you're clown. taking a microwave. Become a clown. 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 It's a psychedelic freak out.